Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects podcast. Quick interruption with a bit of housekeeping. I wanted to talk really quickly about why I decided to do this podcast. So about seven years ago, my car radio broke. um, And so I started consuming a lot of podcasts because I commute to and from work. I really fell in love with the history podcasts. So everything from the history of the Crusades to the history of Rome, uh, to all the U.S. presidents, to China, um, to the history of the papacy and the Christian church. And I started searching for a good history of the Mormon church podcast and didn't find one that I like. Um, I also loved during that time the history of the world in 100 objects. And so I decided to do something similar to that as I explained the history of the Mormon church. And so I've broken up um, the history of the Mormon church into 50 important objects. Um, and that's going, what I'm going to be using for this podcast series. Now, some of these objects are very famous objects in Mormon history. Um, some of them are uh, not objects per se. They might be buildings. Um, they might be land grants. Uh, but they're going to be used as part of telling the story. And I think they'll make sense as we get to that point. So that's the purpose of the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. And back to the story. Welcome to the History of the Mormon Church and 50 Objects podcast, episode one, A Seer Stone. Okay, out of the gates, I wanted to put a couple items on the table. First is that the Mormon church, although they love to record almost everything throughout their history and are commanded to record many things, we have very little accurate information on the seer stone itself. Uh, This is partially because the time frame in which the seer stone existed uh, was before the church was officially founded. Um, uh, Where the years we're talking about are 1823 up into mostly 1830, which is when Joseph Smith officially founded the church. Also, the church doesn't place the same emphasis on the seer stone that they do other objects that we'll be discussing in this series. In fact, many members of the Mormon church probably don't know anything about seer stones. So I'd venture to say that the seer stone might be the most underappreciated object in Mormon church history. Um, For one thing, we're now finding out uh, that it was used quite a bit more in the translation of the Book of Mormon than we previously thought. Um, And also because, unlike the gold plates or other objects we'll be discussing in this series, it's one of the few objects that the church still has in its possession. So, what is a seer stone? How does it work? How did Joseph Smith come into possession of it? These are things we're going to be discussing, but before we do, let's provide just a bit of context. So, what did America look like at this time? Well, in the years 1823 to 1830, there were only 24 states. Uh, The president of the United States at the time was James Monroe, and he was working that famous Monroe Doctrine uh, to stop all European countries from further colonizing the North and South American continents. A funny little medical note that I found was on September 28, 1820, uh, to prove that a tomato was not poisonous, uh, Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson bravely ate one in public in Salem, New York. Now, in this episode today, we're mostly going to be focusing on upstate New York. Um, This is where Joseph Smith was living in the year 1823. He was 18 years old, and he mostly lived amongst farmers, um, and he and his brothers worked to clear the ground, to dig wells, um, and contracted with people in the area to help pay for Joseph's father's farm. 
Now, this was during the Second Great Awakening. Uh, people were very religious, um, and Joseph uh, was part of that movement. As an 18-year-old boy, uh, four years previously, uh, Joseph stated that he had seen God the Father and Jesus Christ after saying a prayer. And in the year 1823, uh, Joseph stated that he was visited by an angel, a resurrected being um, named Moroni, um, who is explained in the Book of Mormon, the book that he was going to translate. Moroni visited him as a young boy and told him that there was an important work that God had for him to do. So keeping that in mind, um, Joseph and his brothers are digging a well. They've contracted with a neighbor. And Joseph finds a small chocolate-colored rock about the size of an egg and has found his seer stone. Now, it should be mentioned that Joseph has a number of seer stones that he finds in subsequent years. There is a white seer stone. Um, the angel Moroni del delivers two clear seer stones that he calls the Urim and Thummim. Um, we will discuss those in a subsequent podcast. But on today's episode, we're just going to be discussing um, the chocolate-colored seer stone. Now, if you go to lds.org um, or you just do a Google search for Joseph Smith seer stone and click on images, you can see this stone. Um, again, it's about the size of an egg. Um, it's chocolate-colored. It has some lighter-colored stripes across it. Now, before we talk too much about the seer stone, um, let's talk a little bit about Protestant uh, New York at this time. These were Bible-believing people, and the Bible mentions people receiving spiritual manifestations by means of different physical objects, such as rods. Um, it talks about Moses having the brass serpent, which was put on a pole, which has now become a widespread symbol of the medical profession. We talk about ephods. Um, that's part of a priestly clothing that has two precious stones. Um, and so it was common for people at this time to believe that people could receive spiritual manifestations through specific objects. So Joseph, who's had these visions, um, he started to tell people about these visions. People see him as a spiritual person. And when they hear that he has the stone, people begin to come to him to ask him to look into the stone and to see if he can help them find objects hidden in the earth. This process is called scrying. Um, and so Joseph contracted with a few people, Josiah Stowell was one of them, who asked Joseph to use the stone to see if he could find uh, a Spanish gold mine. Now, these things never came to fruition. Um, Joseph used them for a small period of time, but when the angel Moroni finally delivered the gold plates to Joseph, um, Joseph then only used uh, the seer stone for the translation of the Book of Mormon. Now, if you are religious, if you are a member of the Mormon church, or you are a member of another faith, I'm going to ask you now how it is that you receive revelation. In our day and age, most people will go to a priest, a bishop, a father. They might go to a church. They might go to a temple. They might sit down and they might read scriptures. But you're going to use places or different objects to help you put yourself in the right mind uh, to where you can translate or understand revelation that God has for you. Um, in this day and age, this is how Joseph used the seer stone. Many people think that the rock spoke to him. Um, that isn't the case. The, the idea of the seer stone was for Joseph to approach God um, and then to focus on the seer stone or just to focus on an object in front of him so that he would be able to receive revelation. 
And so that is how the seer stone worked. So from here on out, Joseph only used the seer stone um, in the translation of the Book of Mormon. So he received the gold plates um, from the angel Moroni. Um, we, up to this point, we have mostly believed that um, he used the Urim and Thummim. Again, we're going to talk about those in a subsequent episode to translate the Book of Mormon. But we do have um, a note from Emma Smith who said that the Urim and Thummim was mostly used to translate the initial you know, 116 pages of the Book of Mormon. Again, another subsequent podcast we're going to be discussing. Those 116 pages were lost uh, to the church and to history. Um, but that Joseph used this chocolate-colored seer stone for the rest of the translation of the Book of Mormon. So how did he actually do this? Well, one of his scribes was David Whitmer. Uh, David Whitmer would sit on one side of a table with, and Joseph would sit on the other. Um, and he said that Joseph would put the seer stone into a hat and then put the hat to his face as a way of kind of drawing out the light around him. Um, and in that way, he would then be able to receive revelation and he would then dictate the words um, of the, the Book of Mormon and David and other scribes would then um, write those out onto paper. Joseph didn't just use the seer stone to translate the Book of Mormon, um, but also parts of the Bible. Um, some of the initial revelations that he received that are now found in our Doctrine and Covenants. Um, and according to one source, Joseph even gave um, certain blessings through the seer stone itself. So the seer stone played a very important role um, in helping Joseph Smith hone in on his skills of how to receive revelation um, and the translation process itself. Now, what happened to the seer stone? Uh, in 1830, David Whitmer wrote that after the translation of the Book of Mormon was finished, uh, Joseph gave the seer stone to Oliver Cowdery. Now, he was another one of the scribes and uh, early members of the church um, and told the rest of the people that now that he had learned to receive revelation and he had translated the Book of Mormon, he no longer had any need for it. Now, Oliver Cowdery ended up leaving the church. He was excommunicated, as it is said. But decades later, he planned on rejoining the church. He was rebaptized in 1848 and wanted to go west to be with the members of the Mormon church in Utah, but he died in 1850 in Missouri before he could actually make that trip. However, Phineas Young, uh, who had helped bring him back into the church, then obtained this seer stone from Oliver's widow. Phineas, in turn, gave it to Brigham Young, and Brigham Young had the seer stone from there. Now, Brigham Young ended up dying later, but one of his wives um, who inherited the seer stone with his estate um, then donated the seer stone back to the church. And as we understand it, the seer stone is now in possession of the church. What is the seer stone? The seer stone is the first object that Joseph Smith uses to help him focus in on Revelation. Uh, it existed between the years 1823 to 1830, in which it was no longer utilized after that, though stayed within possession of the church. So in closing, I wanted to share a quick verse from uh, the Old Testament in the book of Samuel. It says, come and let us go to the seer, for he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. The seer stone seemed to play uh, an important role or as a stepping stone for Joseph Smith to evolve into a prophet where he no longer needed the seer stone. So whereas more important objects will be coming up and emerging within the movement of the history of the Mormon church, this stone was the first object to really kick things off. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. If you have feedback, questions, or comments, please reach out to me directly. You can do so um, at my email, joehomc, joehistoryofmormonchurch at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. 